The scripture reading this morning comes out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. You can find it on page 965 of the Black Pew Bible. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Matthew chapter 7. We've walked through this text within the last year, year and a half, I'm, I, um, but we are walking through it again as we teach through the Sermon on the Mount. You know, I am gifted in administration, and I see that as a good thing, uh, but because I see myself getting things done. But my wife, she doesn't see it that way. She calls me, uh, what do you call me? A drill sergeant. That's what she calls me. No offense to you drill sergeants out there, but she calls me a drill sergeant. And, you know, Blake, you might see himself... Uh, as being organized, as being tidy, um, but he, Mandy may say that he's suffering from uh, OCD. It's a fine line, isn't it? Our, what we think is our virtues can become vices really quickly, or maybe just depending on your perspective. But today we're talking about correcting someone, rebuking someone, someone that's an error, pointing that out to them. And, and for one who's giving the rebuke, they may see that they're caring for one another by showing them the error of their ways. But those that receive the rebuke, they may see it as someone is being overly critical of them. And criticism it, it can be, and oftentimes it's hurtful, isn't it? I mean, Ashley, when she's, when Brady points out something that she's doing wrongly, she doesn't typically embrace that like the rest of us, right? Um, sometimes we're corrected and we need to be corrected, but what is our response? We get defensive and deny it or whatnot. But given time, most of us, if we have the Spirit of God living in us, we need just a couple quiet times to see that, yeah, that was, they were right and, and make adjustments. But Criticism can be hurtful, especially if it's not given, a uh, rebuke is not given in love or if it's too harsh. It, it, it's damaging to the, to the recipient as well as the critic. And our second verse, verse 2, tells us that here in our text, how we treat others can come back to bite us. It's like the man who bought a new boomerang. He threw the old one away and it came back to kill him. Um, let's look at this text and we're going to learn how to correct someone rightly. And we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount and, and of course Jesus told the, the disciples that their righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees who in the disciples' eyes and every um, Jew living that day that the Pharisees were the cream of the crop. In their eyes they were righteous, they were godly, they kept the law. But of course we receiving all the teachings the New Testament canon, we see them and we don't see them in a, a good light. 
we see them and view them negatively. But Jesus says, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. Don't be like them, he's telling us, he's teaching us. They had an external righteousness, but they didn't love God. They were judgmental. When he says, judge not that you be not judged, he, I believe, had them in mind. They were overly critical. And if we see them, examples of them interacting with people, we see that. We've went back to this text over and over again in Luke where the Pharisee and the tax collector at the temple and the Pharisee is boasting as he prays to the Lord. Imagine that, boasting to the Lord as you pray. God, I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not like these kind of people. And he starts naming all of them. And then he looks over to the tax collector and he's, I'm glad I'm not like him. But then Jesus, he's comparing, contrasting the Pharisee and the tax collector. And what does the tax collector do? He just wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus is teaching them. That tax collector had the right attitude. He was humble, yielded to the Lord, confessing his sin. When you read this text, judge not that ye be not judged, I, I do want to say a couple things that this text does not mean. Firstly, it doesn't mean that if I just let all things go, then I won't be judged by God. You know, if I'm merciful to everybody, then God's going to be merciful to me. That's not what this text is saying. In fact, Acts 17, verse 30 and 31 tells us, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he would judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. We know that man to be Christ Jesus, right? And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So there's going to be a day of judgment. We do know that. Everybody is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Those who are not in Christ will be judged. It's the wheat and the tares, right? The sheep and the goats being separated. So no judgment day will come for everyone. And everyone will give an account. So it doesn't mean that you'll escape judgment if you're not judgmental. It doesn't mean also that we should be tolerant of all behavior. I mean, in our culture today, tolerance is the, the lead virtue, isn't it? To point out that someone is wrong in our culture today is to appear to be judgmental. And, and people that don't care anything about the Bible, they know this verse, don't they? They don't know where it comes from. You should ask them when they say this. Well, you're not supposed to judge. Where does that come from? Where is that in the Bible? They will have no idea. But they know that verse, but they misunderstand the verse, right? So those are several things that this verse doesn't mean, and we'll talk about what it uh, does mean here in a moment. But three things we're going to learn from our text today. Number one is we shouldn't rebuke everybody. We shouldn't correct everybody. What does it mean to rebuke, to correct? And that's what I, that's, we're talking about here, this judgmental attitude in giving our rebukes. What does it mean to rebuke? Second uh, Timothy 4.2 Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Well, this reprove, rebuke, and exhort, those 
three verbs there. They have real similar meanings. Kind of differentiate, if you will. Reprove means to help one understand that something is wrong. And that's when we, we say, hey, that's not biblical. That's not the biblical response. That's not what the Bible says we should do. So reprove is telling someone that, that they're wrong, but it's not biblical. To rebuke is to add a little more to that. Is you desire when you rebuke somebody, you're wanting to bring conviction. That's not the attitude God would want us to have. In fact, that grieves the Lord. So reprove, pointing out, it's not biblical. Rebuke, desiring it for there to be conviction. And then exhorting is, is admonishing someone, encouraging someone, urging someone. And what are we going to urge them to do? If they're in sin, what are we going to urge them to do? To repent and then obey, right? So that's what's going on here. So when you rebuke someone, you're showing them what they're doing is sinful. You're wanting to bring about conviction by the Holy Spirit, and you're urging them to repent and obey the Lord. So... Whom should we give a rebuke? To whom should we reprove, correct? Is it for believers? Is it just those within the church? I, of course, we know that that's not the case because we have children and their children, our children have yet to repent. Some of our children have yet to repent, but we still correct them. We rebuke them. We reprove them. We exhort them, right? And also you think about non-believers, when you share the gospel, what are you doing? In essence, you're reproving, you're rebuking, we are exhorting them, right? Yeah, you're, you're not a believer. You've yet to repent. You're a sinner, right? Separated from the Lord. That grieves God. You're created. He wants you to have a relationship with Him, but you don't. So let's repent and trust Christ. Work on the cross as your own. You're we're reproving, rebuking, you're exhorting them to to obey the Lord. And here in verse 6, it tells, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot. Pigs, that's what they do. They trample them underfoot. And what do dogs do? They'll turn and attack you. So who do we rebuke? We don't rebuke everybody. This warning we're, we're given here. In fact, sometimes it can be harmful and, and a waste of time. Right? Jesus, he teaches the same principle, Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. After he sent his 12 out to do ministry, two by two, he says this, and if anyone does not receive or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Like that's what he's doing. He's doing the same thing. You know, the, 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 the knocking the dust off your sandals, that's what he's saying. Don't spin, their, don't spin your wheels, waste your time, right? Because they're not listening. They're not receiving what you have to say. I mean, the gospel is precious and should be shared with all. But when obstinate people don't want to hear it, it makes them angry. We're to be discerning. We're to be humble, but not lacking in discernment. Because everybody needs to hear the gospel. And they need to hear it over and over and over and over. Right? But... There, there's also wisdom in knowing when to share and when not. The Proverbs attest to this. Uh, Proverbs 9, 7. 
whoever um, corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Yeah. Rebuking an obstinate man is like rescuing a cat from an attacking dog. We have a barn cat that's turned out to be a, a yard cat. It don't stay at the barn anymore. It, it likes people, so it's up at the house. And um, we let our, my hunting dogs out pretty regularly. And sometimes um, I'll have the cat in my arms, and then the dogs, we let the dogs out, and they're, they're still kind of puppies, and so they are jumping all over you, acting crazy. So what does the cat do? I'm holding the cat. The cat's okay. What's the, what's the cat doing to my arm? Right? Yeah, it claws you. That's what, that's what happens when we rebuke an obstinate man. It's like trying to rescue a cat from an attacking dog. You get clawed. So we need to be discerning in who we rebuke. We'll come back to this in just a moment. So the first thing is we shouldn't rebuke everybody. I mean, you've got people in, probably right now in your mind's eye at work that doesn't really do their job. But you're like, it doesn't do any good. It's not going to do any good to correct this person. Yeah, maybe there's people in your life. Maybe it's someone in your household. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your spouse. Yeah, I'm pointing this out. It's not going to be helpful. So we shouldn't rebuke everyone. Second thing we learn from this text is first take the log out of your own eye. Humble down. Don't be judgmental or hypocritical. And this is from familiar verses for us as well. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? It's a familiar verse for us. We aren't to be judgmental, overly critical. We're to use common sense, good judgment. Um, don't judge. That doesn't mean don't think. John Stott, he says, in, it is a requirement to be blind, but rather to be generous. So be generous in what? Be generous in giving grace. So you're trying to take the speck out of someone else's eye but yet you have a plank in your own eye. Jesus, he's using humor here, isn't he? We are blinded by our faults. Uh, it's funny how it's, we're, we can't see our own faults, but we see others so well, don't we? We see others' faults so well, but we can't see ours. And I think here it's a matter of motive, I mean, what's your motive? Why are you, why are you pointing out the speck that is in your brother's eye? That's really important. Are you being nitpicky? Why are you making such a big deal about an insignificant issue? Why are you so negative in your response of this person? Or, and I think he, he, he goes on to say in verse 5, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your own eye. And I've said that already, but I think what, what he means by hypocrite is you have a different standard for someone else that you have for yourself. Standard for someone else is way up here. Standard for yourself is here. Then we have different standards for, for ourselves and others. Don't be a hypocrite. First take the log that is in your own eye. Be self-aware, knowing your own faults. And then what happens, you're going to be more humble in helping others with their own. So humble down. 
humble down. What's your motive when you're pointing out your respect? Is it because you care and you're worried and you want to be helpful? Or is it because you want to make yourself feel better or you just overly critical? I think sometimes we can be overly critical, myself uh, included. So we need to humble down. Don't be judgmental. Don't be hypocritical. And third thing we learned from our text today is taking the log out of your own eye doesn't rescind the command to rebuke others. Sometimes that, well, um, I need to first deal with my own, my own junk. I need to deal with my own garbage first before I point it out to someone else. You know. It's kind of like the, taking the Lord's Supper. When we take the Lord's Supper, Paul tells the Corinthians that they're to examine themselves before they take the Lord's Supper. And some people would say, well, I'm not living right. I'm not living right. You know, me and my wife have not been getting along, or me and, I've been screaming at my kids too much, or um, my anger issues just out of control, or this, that, and other, whatever. And so we examine ourselves and we say, well, I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper because my heart's just not right. No, that you missed the point. The point is, no, you deal with your sin, repent, and then you take the Lord's Supper. But here, the same way, well, don't take the speck out of your neighbor's eye and you got this big log in yours. Humble down. But it doesn't say don't correct somebody. No, we still correct because there's correction needs to be made. We need correction from one another. We need to correct one another. What he says is do it humbly, do it rightly. Humble down understanding your own junk so when you do point it out you're gracious in your in your, in, while you do it he says don't in, in verse 6 don't give to dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls to, to pigs and so you could take that and say well we we just don't rebuke anybody because it causes people to be uncomfortable we just don't do it at all and then on top of that, well, I got to deal with my own junk. I got too much garbage in my own life. I can't point out other people's sin. See that? But no, that's not. That doesn't mean we don't correct one another and we don't rebuke and give a, a timely rebuke. Why do we rebuke? Why do we point out one another's sin? Firstly, because it's biblical. It's biblical. It says, "Don't." Judge not that you be not judged. Again, that means don't be overly critical. Don't be hypocritical. So first, we remember our own sin. We humble down, check our motives. If you want to rebuke somebody, what should you do? Don't rebuke them, right? Yeah, if you want to rebuke somebody, if you're all fired up, you know, you got to, then you're probably not a good person to be rebuking anybody at that point in time, right? Yeah, if you want to rebuke somebody, your heart's not right. So what do you do? You first deal with your own sin, remember who you are, humble down, and then you'll be ready to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And we see this throughout the scriptures, 2 Timothy 3, 16, talking about the, the word of God. Paul writes, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for what? Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. So yeah, what do we do? We and that's what we do when we rebuke. We just point people to what's the scriptures say. Your life isn't lining up with the scriptures. Proverbs twenty-five, twelve: Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Yeah, some people just won't listen. They're scoffers. They're obstinate, and it may come. It may be harmful for you. 
if you try to rebuke somebody that's not going to listen. But to someone who listens, man, it's a blessing, isn't it? And some of you, you can remember, I've heard several of you tell me stories about somebody getting in your business, pointing out some sin, and you're so thankful for it. Because you needed it, and it was timely, and it was helpful, right? Matthew 18, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So that we see biblical evidence. Yeah, we should rebuke. In Galatians chapter 2, we won't turn there, but verse 11 and 13, Peter, he's, Peter is, is understanding the gospel, and he has been with the other Gentile believers, and they've been eating food together and having a good time of fellowship, and then some, some other Jews came from Jerusalem. And so what did Peter do? Do you remember? He kind of distanced himself from the Gentiles he had been loving on and having fellowship with. And what did Paul do in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, if you want to read that? He rebukes the heck out of Peter. He just rebukes him, right? Um, he rebukes him because he was wrong. And Jesus, we, we see the example of Jesus. He rebukes his disciples often. And the religious leaders more so. I mean, he calls the religious leaders blind guides. You brood of snakes. I mean, he's, what's he doing there? We say, judge not. Well, you're not supposed to point out any judge. No, that's not, what, that's not what that text means. What is Jesus doing constantly? You're wrong, get it together, get it together. You're wrong, get it together, right? That's what Jesus does. And Paul, in Acts chapter 20, verse 29 through 30, he's telling the Ephesian elders, you know, this is a lot of you familiar text for you. This is the last time he's going to see these Ephesian elders. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. What's, what's Paul doing? He's making a judgment call, right? He's moral evaluations. He's saying, yeah, there's going to be fierce wolves among you. I mean, Jesus, by in verse 6, just by saying, uh, don't throw your pearls to swine, right? Um, what's he doing? Don't give dogs what is holy. What he's, he's making moral judgments there. Yeah, there's some people who aren't fit to receive a rebuke. John 7, 24. Do not judge by appearances. You got that text there? This is a good one. John 7, 24. Maybe not. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgments. Write that text down. John 7, 24. I might not have given it to you, Sarah. Um, write that scripture down because we're told to judge. With the word judge not, well that, again, that's that overly critical attitude, hypocritical attitude, right? <laughs> but here, Jesus says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So we are to make judgment calls. We are to make um, decisions based on someone's, uh, based on our moral evaluations. Jesus says to correct uh, and rebuke. So we should rebuke and give correction because it's loving. It's a loving thing to do. Again, we're just looking at a lot of text today. James chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, what does it mean to bring someone back? What's it mean when someone, yeah, you point out someone, you rebuke somebody, right? Let him, um, 
Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will recover a multitude of sins. So it's a loving thing to do to give a word of rebuke. To the church in Laodicea, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Why does God discipline and point out our sin? Because he loves us. And it's difficult, it is. It's always difficult to point out sin. But it's needed. Kevin DeYoung, he says, A loving rebuke is not supposed to be like a gunshot, but like a flu shot. And his point is, it may hurt, but the goal is to what? To get you healthy, right? It's not to be a gunshot, but a flu shot. It's painful, right? How many of you ever, you ever get a shot and it didn't hurt? Every now and again, I had this nurse in my doctor's office. The last shot I got, I was like, man, I didn't even feel that. But that's a rarity. My kids were always asking me when we would get vaccines, when we go overseas, they had to get all kind of crazy vaccines you can't even, you can't even pronounce the name of. I mean, is that a real thing? You know, do we have to have this? Yeah. You know, our kids would have to get four or five shots at a time, you know, where they'd hold them down and you have two nurses there with the double barrel, you know, hit them at the same time. Um, and my kids would always ask, is it going to hurt? And I would say every time, yeah, it's going to hurt. Every, it's going to hurt. You know, but it's only going to hurt for just a couple seconds, right? What's well, a loving thing to do to give a rebuke? We should do that. But it's also, it's, it's needed, right? Why do we give rebukes? Because it's loving, because it's needed. Hebrews 3.13. Because our sin is so deceitful. Because we can't see it. I mean, Taylor, I could look at her and I can just point out all these things in, in her life. But for me, so many times I'm blinded because sin is so deceitful. Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah, we give rebukes, we correct one another because it's needed. How many of us in here would say, you know, I really don't need that in my life. I'm, I'm not blinded by my sin. I really don't. I probably do not need anybody pointing out my faults. Anybody? Anybody? I got this. I don't have any blind spots. Um, hopefully, yeah, none of us have that attitude, I don't think. It's needed. And in our church, it's part of our covenant. Do you know that? We have several families that have been coming to our church for, you know, six, eight, ten months, maybe a year, and uh, we've been doing membership dinners and they're wanting to be a part of our church. And this is one thing we talk about, you know, in our covenant is you're, you're, what you're saying by becoming a part of the church family. I tell people, you can come and like sit, you know, and, and be a part. And if you, if you die, I'll do your funeral, right? And if you need something, we're going to be there to help you. But if you're going to be part of the church family, what you're doing, you're giving us permission. And what you're doing is you're saying, I need help in my walk with the Lord. And I want this group of people, this family, to help me. And when I'm in error, when I'm needing it, I want, I'm inviting people to point out sin in my life and to help me repent and, and walk with Christ. Now, we, we, we recognize that's not for everybody. And there's some folks, maybe some of you here, you've been here hanging out with us, and you've been kind of thinking about that a little bit, but you're not quite sure if you're wanting to do that or not. And I get it. So what I just say is just keep coming, keep spending time with us, getting to know us. But if you're a believer, you need that in your life. 
because you have blind spots. Like me, I need people to point that out to me. You need that as well. Just trying to wonder, do you want this group of people pointing that thing out to you, right? And it may be where that's not the case. We live in a culture where, the, again, the greatest virtue is tolerance. To be a good neighbor is to be a tolerant neighbor. To love means that you allow someone to live and do whatever they please. In our culture, they think uh, it's unloving to point out error. And if you don't know, those you have children, that's what your children are being taught day in and day out. At school, by the media, entertainment industry, the worst thing you can do for somebody is tell them that they're wrong. And they try to divide. You know, this is, you know, this is life and this is faith. You separate those things, right? Well, we don't do that, right? We separate things by this is biblical, this is not biblical, this is true, this is untrue. But sometimes in life we get confused and we need someone to point those things out. When do we rebuke? When do we correct someone? You know, we, we bear with one another. We don't always point out everything, right? Because we bear, the scripture says bear with one another. What's that mean? I think it just means put up with each other's shortcomings. So we do. We overlook a lot of sin, you know. We bear with others. But at times, someone will, will be in sin and they're not sorry for it. And so a word of rebuke is needed. So I think when a word of rebuke is not needed, when someone, they, they're sinful and they do something wrongly, they rebel against the Lord, but they're sorry for it. Well, in that case, there's no need for rebuke, right? The Lord's disciplined them, and there's no need for that. But when someone's obstinate or it's blind, they're blinded to it, they don't see it, and it's causing problems in their family, in their marriage, in their small group, in the church, no, that's when we have to point those things out to one another. So, how do we rebuke? Well, Galatians 6 1. Pull that up. How do we rebuke? Well, firstly, we rebuke privately, but that's not always possible, is it? Paul, he rebuked Peter publicly because he's, Peter's a leader, leader in the early church, and he had sinned publicly and so Paul rebuked him pretty forthrightly in a public way but more times than not we, we do that privately we do it gently Galatians 6 1 familiar text brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness and that word spiritual there means I think what we take that to mean that don't mean that oh you got to be you know, a leader in the church, something like that. I think it means if you're not involved in that sin at that moment, you know, you point that out. Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. You know, we're, we're to do that gently. And that's a given, isn't it? Proverbs 15.1 is a great text. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We know that to be true, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we do it gently because people are more willing to yeah we do it we use we use tweezers we use tweezers not a sledgehammer 
right? Yeah, we do it gently. Don't kick them in the pants if just an arm around the shoulder will do. Right? We do it, yeah, we do it in a way that we would like to be rebuked. I mean, we're going to get there next week um, or maybe the week after. I think next week. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets, the golden rule, right? Yeah, rebuke people how you want to be rebuked. Do you want to be rebuked in front of a bunch of folks really harshly to make yourself look really foolish? No. You want to be treated gently, rebuked privately. So that's how we rebuke. And um, it, it, it is difficult and it's awkward. It's awkward um, at times. I mean, there's sometimes we just in conversation. You know, and this is what I do with the guys that we hang out with. We just ask questions sometimes, don't we? Say, hey, how, how, are, you, how are you and your wife doing? How's this going, how's this going on? How's that happening? What's going on with this? How are you and your kids? You know, you just ask that question. Sometimes that's just enough. Someone's having a trouble with a child, and we just say, how, how, are, they going? how are you handling that situation? Are you, you handling it in a biblical way? Sometimes that's all you need to ask. Just asking the question. Sometimes just gets her done. Because they know what the Scriptures, you know, if they know what the Scriptures teach, how they should respond. If they're not doing that, what happens? Well, they, they get it. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes we have to sit down and we have to have a, hey, let's, let's talk about this. There's some issues going on. And they no, it's okay. It's all good. Said, no, it's actually not. Because this is what I, this is the result of what's your actions and how you're handling this and your sinful behavior. So we need to have this talk. Well, no, it's going to be like, no, it's not. Hey, hey, no, it's not. This is what the scriptures say. And this is what's going on. Sometimes it, you have to be a little more forthrightly, you know, and, and, and handle that a little more directly. But we do it privately, gently. And sometimes a word of rebuke, you can do it just uh, real in an unobtrusive way, just asking how, how we're doing. Um, but we must help one another. It's biblical. It's needed. It's a loving thing to do. So let's be a church who gets in one another's business and helps one another, just by way of application. Maybe you're here, and I'm, I'm fixing to rebuke you, but you are a sinner. You say, well, how do you know I'm a sinner? You don't know my life because we're all sinners. That's how I know, because I'm a sinner, and everyone here is a sinner. But you're a sinner, and... And um, you live for yourself way too much. You are self-absorbed, egocentric. It's all about you most of the time. And because of that, that's, that's sinful. And because of that, God is grieved and he's angry. And when you die, he's going to pour out his wrath upon you for all eternity. See, God's just. And no sin goes unpunished. The, the terrible thought... The, the lazy afternoon where you should have done this and you didn't, the ill words spoken, misuse of your money, all that, you're going to be, one day you'll be receiving the wrath of the Father for that sin. It's inescapable. You're on a one-way road to hell. But the Bible says that Jesus took on flesh 2,000 years ago. He, he came to this earth lived a life of complete obedience on your behalf 
and he died a cruel death for sinners. He died, he was buried on the third day, he rose from the dead. The Bible says so you could be justified. So your sorry tale could be justified before a holy God. And the Bible says that we're Jesus, his, his preaching and his, his sermons could be summed up in repent and believe. And so God wants you today to repent, turn from being self-absorbed and living for yourself, and he wants you to trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. So that's your rebuke, and your response should be to repent and believe. So if you're lost and you've never repented and believed, I want to encourage you to do that today. Receive the rebuke that I've given you. You say, well, you said I was a sorry person. Well, you are. Not compared to me. Compared to me, you're an awesome person. But compared to the Lord, yeah, you're terrible. All those things I said are true compared to Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do you know I love myself too much? Because you do. Because we all do. The Bible tells us that. So re receive that rebuke, and, and I'm exhorting you to, to obey, repent, and believe. If you don't know how to do that, if you're saying, I've never repented, I, I'm lost, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I want to be, there's so many here in this room that would love to talk to you about that today. We'll stay all afternoon. We don't have to go anywhere. Love to talk to you about that. So if, if you're a lost person, by application, encourage you to receive the rebuke and exhort you to repent and believe. And if you're a believer, and we've said this a lot in our church, and you've never biblically rebuked someone, you should. You're like, well, i got to find somebody who's doing something wrong so I can rebuke. And that's not the case. But you should be a part of that, you know? I mean, students, you know? You see people doing things, saying things. They say something about somebody. Should, there should be a word of rebuke. Hey, that's not, that's not God-honoring, and that's not helpful. You've got a bad attitude towards this person, and you need to re repent. Maybe it's a sibling at home, and their attitude stinks. And maybe it's where, hey, you're not honoring the Lord today. That's a big part of being a Christian. It's a big part of being a part of the church. And you say, well, I don't really want to tell people that they're not living like they should. Well, that's just part of being a church member, part of being a follower of Jesus and body of Christ. We do that. We have to do that, unfortunately. Um, you should be a part of people's lives. You should be willing to get in their business a little bit and allow people to get in yours. So I want to encourage you to be thinking about that. Um, but if you're going to rebu rebuke someone, reprove someone, exhort a brother and sister in Christ, firstly, check your heart. Do you want to? Then don't do it. If you're eager, then you're just eager for a fight. Humble, humble down. Um, humility is, is underrated, isn't it? But the third thing is just be winsome and be tactful and be loving. If you, um, just some homework for you, if you want to know someone uh, that's winsome and tactful, read the book of Philemon. Paul, uh, there's a, a slave that's, that's run away and somehow he met him in Rome where he's in prison and he led this man to the Lord and the guy's life was radically changed. But he sends him back to Philemon. Said he's your property and I'm sending him back. And, but he's very winsome in his, in his um, approach to Philemon very tactful, very wise. And so we should be the same as we... And sometimes you don't need to sit them down and have that harsh word. Sometimes it's just asking questions. Just saying, hey, I've struggled with this for a long time. And you know what? I've kind of recognized you might have that struggle too. 
you might have that struggle too. You know, I don't tell Jerry, you got this struggle. You might have that struggle too. Jerry knows if he has that struggle or not. And it's just, it's just gentler. And you just, Jerry's more, it's more palpable for him. I can receive that a little better. We just need to be winsome and wise. But we need to be in, in each other's lives, correcting each other. I welcome it. You say, well, you're the pastor. I need it more than you do most times, most days. Let's be involved in one another's lives, you know. You know, it could, could be something like this. Hey, I haven't seen you in, in worship. Where y'all been? Well, you know, just kind of da-da-da-da-da. Man, we really miss you. You need it. I need it. We need to be there. What is that? That's a word of rebuke, right? A word of just reproving somebody. Yeah. And it's not about, you know, we're not legalists. Oh, you got to be at church every time the door's open. But we do need fellowship. We do need body life. We do need people to know what's going on in our lives. So we can be winsome, and we should be. And like I said, there, there are times where it's you shut the door and you have a battle royal in there. You know, we, have, we do that t- sometimes too, you know. But more times than not, it's just little comments, little, you know, maybe a, a, a you know, this, is, this, is, this is also helpful. Sometimes maybe the conversation, it needs to be face-to-face, not on the phone, not via text. Ugh, don't do that. Or email. You want to get something off your chest? Don't, never do it in a text or via email. And not in a letter either, but face-to-face, that's always better. But sometimes it, it, I think it's helpful in a, if you can craft that letter. Some people do that really well. I, I don't so much. But you can write a letter, allow somebody to, to hear that, read it, and receive it, process it a little bit before you have that conversation. Sometimes that's helpful too. We need to be involved in each other's lives. We need help. That's why we come to church. Why are you here today? You're not here because you got it all together. If you had it all together, you wouldn't need to be here. Now we're here because we're we're jacked up and we're messed up and we're sinful and we need people to point out things in our lives and we need help. That's what the body of Christ does. We talk about it hand in hand, arm in arm, living life together. And that's hard to do. And some days we do it better than others, but that's what the church looks like. We're not to be judgmental, overly critical, hypocritical. And we, we struggle with that. We all struggle with that, you know. And on our bad days, we want people to fail, and we like people to mess up because it makes ourselves feel better. We like being critical. We like to point things out. We, the standard for others is up here, and the standard we hold for ourselves is down here. We just do that some days. So we have to repent and not be pharisaical and come back, and this is how Jesus wants us to live. Remember our own garbage. Remember who we are. So when we do point things out that we're... We're humble, and we're gracious, and we're gentle. Anything else? Anything about that? Need to add. A lot more could be said, but this is yeah. As a church, this is what we want to do. We want to be in each other's business, and you know, it's never comfortable. Never you really want to do that, but sometimes it's needed. So, all right. Wednesday night. We have um, children will be here, sixth grade and under. The um, students will be in the house. Won't be long, students. We'll be over in the Family Life Center. Won't be long. Uh, it'll be, you know, another couple months we'll be over there, Lord willing. The adults will be upstairs in the Family Life Center. And um, come. We're going to have a good time. We're, we're talking about the story of the Bible, uh, Old Testament chronology, just going through the story where we talked about the intertestamental period. What happened between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? 
we're, we're talking about that. And we'll move to the New Testament this week as well, Lord willing, if we have time. But towards the end of our study, we're going to take a break, and then we'll have our business, a time of business. We'll look at our budget. And if you're like, well, I'm not a part of the church, I don't think I'm going to come Wednesday night. Well, if you're thinking about being part of the church, this will be a great time for you to come and to see how we do business, how we handle business meetings. Because it's real sweet. We have a real good time. Um, Chris will be moderating that, leading that. You'll get to see about our money, where it's going, and how we're using it. And we'll have a couple of things, item of business, we'll just talk about. So you'll get to see how we do things. But I encourage you to do that. Um, and then, again, we said, Lord willing, here in a couple weeks, I know Chris McWilliams, we're going to start his small group back on Sunday morning. I know some people are ready to get that started. So if we don't have anything else, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us apply the text we, we studied today. Father, you are good, and you know what we need. And you see our struggle and you see our sin and lord we do need uh, help from one another your body to stay on the right track and to handle situations rightly and our attitude when our attitude's not what it should be we need other brother and sister to point that out and i pray that that would happen in my life and our church we would be good at reproving and rebuking and exhorting Lord, um, help us in that regard. Father, for, for those that are lost, Lord, may they receive the rebuke they've heard, and may they obey you by repenting and trusting Christ. Lord, may children and students and adults be saved, even today. Thank you for our church family. There are a lot of people, Father, that are visiting other family members that are at their lake, that are out um, for one last little weekend away. I just pray that you would keep our people safe and, Lord, uh, bring them back tomorrow. Father, may we have a sweet time Wednesday. Bless our time together as we study and pray and meet together and as we conduct our business at the church. We ask for wisdom to, that we would handle things rightly and, Lord, use the monies we have for your um, glory to build up your kingdom. Bless us as we leave. Lord, give us a, a good day. Those that are off, just a sweet day tomorrow. May we think often of you and draw near to you as you draw near to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.